This is The Guardian. I'm Jane Lee, coming to you from Wurundjeri Land, and this is The Full Story. Can the Prime Minister confirm that the last time the cash rate was this high was when Labor was last in government? Why do Australians always pay more under Labor? One of the reasons we've got that inflation challenge is because the combination of the member for Hume's incompetence and uh, Vladimir Putin's uh, aggression... While Canberra squabbles over who's to blame for record high inflation, the Reserve Bank of Australia is trying to slow the economy down and avoid a recession by raising interest rates. Millions of Australians have been stung with a ninth consecutive interest rate hike. Today, Guardian Australia's economics correspondent Peter Hannum on the Reserve Bank's narrow path to recovery. It's Monday, the 13th of February. So, Peter, the Reserve Bank last week raised interest rates for the ninth month in a row to try to discourage borrowing and bring down record high inflation. But some say the RBA is raising rates too quickly. Are they right? So, look, economists, there's quite a few of them now, thinking the uh, Reserve Bank probably is shifting to a more aggressive position than it really needs to. We won't know really whether that's the case perhaps until later this year or early next That'll be when, for example, the economy slows too quickly, the spending dries up too fast. You know, if the RBA does tighten too fast, we will see pretty uh, severe kind of uh, reduction in growth, possibly even a recession in the economy and a lot of heartache uh, in the household. And what is the Reserve Bank trying to do when it lifts interest rates? What they do by lifting interest rates means like on the margin, Somebody will not buy a house or spend as much uh, on renovation. A company will probably uh, put off uh, expansion or buying some new equipment. That's the kind of marginal change that the RBA is looking to affect. And it's a step-by-step process. The RBA is trying to take the heat out of the economy. And the course that they've got to try to tread is uh, they want inflation to come down to their preferred band, which is between 2 to 3% uh, over the business cycle, uh, which is kind of like over time. Anyway, on Friday, we learned why the RBA is actually quite nervous about inflation and why it must continue to lift interest rate beyond the nine times in a row that it's already done. And in the RBA's very own broadly monetary policy statement, uh, they said They expect the underlying inflation rate, that's, if you like, uh, the bit that excludes volatile items and is a truer picture of what the real inflation rate is. Well, they expect that to be higher than previously forecast through 2023. And it's only going to start to come back to uh, the range that it wants, that's uh, within 3% by the end of 2024. So, I mean, regardless of the pace at which the economy moves as a result of the RBA's moves, the point that the Reserve Bank is trying to get to, as you say, Peter, is this magic inflation rate of between 2 to 3%. So if we do reach that magical range, what will that look like for the Australian economy? Well, look, bearing in mind that the 2 to 3% inflation range, it's a bit arbitrary. This is the range the Reserve Bank has decided is the target that uh, we should be aiming for in order to, quote, 
achieve the goals of price stability, full employment and prosperity and welfare of the Australian people. So you could pick 2% if you're in the US or 1% to 3% in New Zealand, but we've gone for 2% to 3% here. In any case, this is what um, economists, at least in the Reserve Bank, decided on. It's kind of like a, a Goldilocks, you know, not too hot, not too cold <laughs> kind of rate. Um, and the question, I suppose, is firstly, uh, you know, we won't know, for example, if the uh, interest rates that are already in the works and those that are yet to come will actually cool off that uh, porridge of Goldilocks <laughs> too quickly or, in fact, won't do enough and the RBA might have to come back again, which would also be pretty uh, you know, disruptive for a lot of plans, both uh, in households, but also businesses. Mm. Nevertheless, that arbitrary range of 2 to 3% is meant to be the Goldilocks sweet spot, right? So what are some of the indicators in the economy that could be reflected if we reach that spot? Well, look, Nirvana of sorts will look something like this. The economy keeps growing. So in other words, staying out of recession. Unemployment doesn't tick up too much. It's at 3.5% now, which is close to the lowest in half a century, which in some economists say is actually kind of beyond full employment. There are just about as many vacancies as there are people looking for jobs. It can't get much tighter than this. Um, mm. So if unemployment doesn't get much worse, um, that would be a win for the policymakers. They do expect some uptick, but only really to, say, 4.5% by mid-2025. That doesn't look like a recession or a depression or, or other big setbacks that we've had in the past. So that would be quite a good outcome. Mm. And I suppose, depending on where you are in the housing market, whether you own a house or are looking to buy or renting, your views will vary. But um, you know, something that doesn't change too fast, as in house prices don't collapse, would also be quite a good outcome as far as banks go. So as long as they don't plummet, then um, again, this kind of even keel, the economy finding its way through without too much uh, disruption will probably be good for pretty much everybody. Mm. Well, the Reserve Bank Governor, Phil Lowe, has said that there's a, quote, narrow path to bringing down inflation at the right pace and avoiding a recession. What did he mean by this? So the challenge, that narrow path that the central bank's aiming for, is how to reduce the inflation rate without actually sort of stalling the whole economy. We're coming out of all the COVID disruptions, facing this sort of Russian-imposed commodity boom, which is sort of helpful to Australia on the whole, but nevertheless is inflationary. How do you bring down inflation without like, you know, crashing the economy? That's the real challenge. We know we don't like inflation. Uh, it's costly. It changes behavior in not very efficient ways across the economy. But is the price of bringing it down, you know, worth stalling the economy? And, and the answer is usually no. But how do you actually uh, navigate that? We won't know for a while, but that's the task that uh, Philip Lowe and the rest of the RBA board mm. has. So the Reserve Bank will be watching, I'd say, probably four areas particularly closely. Uh, the retail spending is one. What's happening to house prices would be a second one. How our wages are changing. And what's happening in China. I think that's the fourth area that we should be looking at. 
Mm. Okay, let's delve into each of those one by one. Let's start with retail spending. Why is retail spending something that the RBA will be watching? The Australian economy is heavily dependent on consumption. As long as we keep spending, then unemployment levels will stay low, taxes will keep being paid, etc. So retail spending is a kind of critical factor within the economy. Probably 70% or more is riding on it. In the December quarter, we did see a small decline, 0.2% in volume terms for retail sales. How that compared, it was first retreat since September 2021, which was during one of the big uh, lockdown periods of COVID, if we can remember that far back. So we're starting to see households beginning to like pare back their spending. As long as it's paring back and not like chopping back, um, the RBA will be relatively happy. Okay. And so next, let's go to housing. Why will the RBA be watching housing closely? So at the moment, we're seeing around about a one percentage point drop in housing values across the country per month. So the total has gone from, say, $9.3 trillion to $9.2 trillion in the latest mm. month, according to CoreLogic. So they're big numbers, of course. But in general terms, our sense of how well we're going, how much we should spend, a lot of that hinges on, on how our houses are valued. If that starts to drop off, there's a lot of economic activity tied to the housing, a lot of state stamp duty, for example. Things can start to turn down pretty rapidly if, for instance, the housing uh, prices accelerated, started falling sharply. Banks would start to be calling in loans. Uh, there'd be a sort of quickly spreading lack of confidence. So the RBA is going to be watching just to see how much raising interest rates uh, is affecting housing. And look, I should say uh, loans for new houses are down about two-thirds nearly from their peak in the latest kind of numbers. So we are seeing like new spending on that front um, dropping off. On the flip side, speaking to the Architects uh, Institute of Australia, they actually say, and they're an early kind of precursor, they say their order books are still very full. Very few people are dropping out or delaying their projects. So that's telling me at least that this particularly interest rate sensitive part of the economy is still ticking along relatively well. The RBA will be looking at it very closely, but I think we all should be too. Mm. You also mentioned wages, which I know have been stagnant for many years. How will that factor into this? So look, the last time we saw how our wages go were going, that was for the September quarter, there was only a 3.1% annual increase, well shy of inflation, which at that point was about 7%. And so in real terms, that's the difference between how much uh, inflation is versus how much wages are actually increasing. We were going backwards at around about four percentage points a year, mm. a rate that's never been seen. So that doesn't seem to uh, gel very well with a low unemployment rate. Unemployment now is the lowest in half a century. So you would think at some point uh, the salary owners of the world, that's you and me, would be in a better position to argue for at least our wages to keep up mm. with inflation. Now, that seems very reasonable. I think uh, we'll see on February 22nd just how the December quarter numbers came out, but it should be higher than 3.1%. What the RBA doesn't want to see, though, is its so-called wage price spiral, which is, you know, prices are going up, 
Therefore, wages are going up, which leads to prices going up further and wages to match that and Mm. so on. They're trying to sort of stem that before it gets out of hand. There are others, though, who argue that the RBA's fears of a so-called wage spiral are unfounded, right? Yes, and that's partly because, you know, for instance, if they've had that 2 to 3% target range for inflation for many years, they've seen wages falling lower than that 2% end of, uh, of that range and done nothing too much about it. So, look, over time, the share of wages, say compared to uh, the corporate profit share of the economy, uh, wages has been shrinking, corporate profit share has been rising. And that hasn't kind of come about by accident. There's a range of policy measures which have made it harder for, uh, say, unions or others to be bargaining for higher wages. And it's that kind of impediment which suggests probably um, the wage price spiral, which we haven't seen starting from the wages side, it might actually be harder to get going in Australia than most places. So the RBA's worries are probably overdone in this area. Next, how international players impact Australia's economic future. So, Peter, you mentioned that the RBA is also considering what happens in China. How does China's economy affect inflation in Australia? So China is super important to the Australian economy and actually to the global economy in general. It's the second biggest economy globally. It's also Australia's biggest trade partner by a long shot. So what happens in China is really important. Now, it's the largest source of overseas students. They're about to start coming back as the country eases its you know, COVID restrictions. Uh, We're also starting to see investment flows resuming and also uh, tourism. So Australia is going to get quite a big kick as China reopens. So the RBA has to kind of measure, okay, how much extra demand is going to come from that way? Mm. A slightly positive element is as Chinese factories ramp up again, inflation could actually start to ease off as goods prices fall kind of everywhere. On the other hand, a large part of the economy in China is tied up in real estate and the problems there are gargantuan, much larger than we have in Australia and basically unresolved, possibly unresolvable. And by that I mean uh, you've got about a quarter of the economy tied up in real estate. It's a sector which is shrinking maybe at the pace of 20% a year at the moment. Uh, the government might be able to sort of put a floor into that, so to speak. However, um, if the cratering real estate economy in China uh, doesn't stop, we will have basically uh, less commodity demand, iron ore prices will fall, and we'll get actually a drag on the Australian economy rather than a pulse mm. of growth. So that's out of the RBA's hands, but nevertheless, one that they're looking at very closely, and frankly, so many other Uh, pundits, investors, and the like around the world. I guess what happens with China's economy is just one example of how hard it is to control inflation within Australia. I mean, we've also heard about how the war in Ukraine has exacerbated inflation hikes. Are there any other global trends that the Reserve Bank's considering in moving interest rates? So the other element we haven't touched on is the disruption from extreme weather. Uh, In the past year, We've had, you know, higher food prices, for example, because of the endless floods 
in the East Coast, the sort of rolling problems out of extreme rainfall. If, as expected, El Nino returns this year or next, it'll flip the other way. So we'll go from abundant rain to too little, from mild temperatures to heat waves. There are yet disruptions in the pipeline as we energize our atmosphere with too much carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases. We run the risk constantly of um, making extremes worse. And that's another factor that's hard to predict, certainly hard to model, but it's something that we need to factor into, you know, what a resilient Australian economy looks like. Right. So how much is the future direction of inflation down to these kinds of external factors, which are out of the RBA's control? Well, look, it's true that uh, about, some would argue, 40%, 50% of the inflation pressures have come from abroad, from things that are out of the RBA's control. And so you can constantly change your models. Hopefully there won't be any more wars. Um, but in any case, the RBA has a more complicated task than during normal times. Normally, you don't have major wars that trigger global sanctions on key commodities. And normally, you don't have pandemics and all the kinds of extra government spending in so many parts of the world, which sets in train demand, which takes years to play out. So the extent that some degree of normality can start to return, the job will start to get a little bit easier. But it just reminds us the margin for error is really sort of magnified at the time. Mm. And so the RBA, uh, like a lot of reserve banks or central banks around the world, they're treading a path which they haven't really treaded before. And just how narrow that path of keeping the growth going without you know, letting inflation get out of control, it's a very narrow one and arguably a harder path than we've had in the past. Mm. Peter, you mentioned this idea of an economic nirvana. Uh, what could happen if the Reserve Bank doesn't get to that point? If it gets the case that the RBA lifts its interest rate too high and keeps it there too long, which some mm. economists, for instance, at the CBA and others, they're quite worried will be the case, then you will see uh, the economy slow faster than the government and the RBA is currently forecasting. Unemployment will rise faster and you know more business will, will go to the wall than otherwise would have happened. So the downside of like tightening too fast is an economy that effectively stalls. That's what they don't want. On the other hand, if the RBA goes too slow in lifting interest rates, it turns out there's more demand than the RBA expected, then inflation will stay higher longer. And those high interest rates will be a bane for us for longer. Um, as it is, investors are expecting interest rates to peak just shy of 4% um, by the middle of this year and then start trailing off gradually. So that's something like almost the best case scenario. I would say probably the balance, if I were betting, is that the RBA is probably going to overshoot. The RBA was criticized for acting too late in lifting interest rates in the first instance, and they're still smarting from that criticism. And they probably, if anything, feel they'll get credit for overdoing it rather than underdoing it, and that will be the result. Interest rates going too high and staying high for too long. 
Right. That doesn't sound great, Peter. Are there any reasons to hope that that won't happen? There's reason on the margin also to be a little bit optimistic. Um, We've got very good unemployment levels, very low ones in Australia. We should be pleased. That's a basic support for the economy in Australia. But more broadly, actually, you know, things are probably a bit better than a couple of months ago globally. And as a trading country like Australia, you know, more growth tends to be good. That was Peter Hannam, economics correspondent for Guardian Australia. This episode was produced by Ellen Leebeater, Karishma Luthria, Camilla Hannan, who also did the sound design and mixing, and myself. Our theme music is by Joe Koning, and the executive producer for this episode was Molly Glassie. I'm Jane Lee. Catch you next time.